Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack African Rainbow Capital, Rimgrow, and Breit with Chantal Marks from F&B Wealth and Investment. Chantal, always a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for chatting to us today. Oh, it's so great to be here. Um, this is probably one of my favorite segments because I also get to have input in what I am going to talk about. Yes. Let's actually uh, start off by why you've chosen a hold close uh, this afternoon. Why is it the direction we're taking today? Well, there's a lot of debate around hold codes and whether or not they should even exist um, on a listed exchange. And I think that that debate has just been intensified recently with um, the management team at African Rainbow Capital really saying that they are so disappointed in how the stock is trading. It's trading at a massive discount to its net asset value. And that really um, they are considering actually delisting that company. Um, and it's not the first time that we've seen something like this happen. I think most recently we lost PSG um, at, a, at a group level on, to, on the JSE um, because of that exact same reason. Uh, a lot of complaints are from management around the discount it was trading at and then in particular whether or not being listed makes sense for them because of the administrative and cost burden of being a listed entity. I must ask you, Ashantal, before we start looking at the counters, is this a global phenomenon uh, or is it something that we're seeing particularly on, only on the JSE? So I think it's a global phenomena, um, but you do get certain investment holding companies that get a lot of attention and then they will typically trade at a premium, particularly if they are extremely large or they have a, um, a very successful history and a long history, like, for example, Berkshire Hathaway. And um, that's an investment holding company that is trading at a premium. Um, Warren Buffett um, has made a lot of good investments um, over his his lifetime. Um, and really, this is a way for investors to get involved with um, the man and the myth and the legend. Um, similarly, you have a company like SoftBank getting a lot of attention as well, uh, particularly in the way that they've identified really good companies at an early stage. Um, but sentiment shifts very quickly towards these companies as well. And I mean, SoftBank is a, is a really big example of that. Um, one big misstep with a, um, a specific investment um, and investors lose confidence in that management team ability to to identify good investments so it really is a confidence and a track record game um, and i think it takes a while for investors to start really believing that these guys will add value um, that they won't that investors themselves won't be able to necessarily identify directly Let's get into the counters now, and I'm glad uh, you know you mentioned that point of confidence. Uh, we can start with African Rainbow Capital, which of course uh, is headlined by uh, Patrice Mutipa and being his company. But that company is run by Johan van Sale and Johan van der Madver, who are known to be very seasoned executives within South Africa. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, what we are seeing in the picture there, and if them running the company does bring confidence to it. So certainly when the company listed, I think that the, the fact that it was going to be run by the two Johans was, go, was one of the reasons why investors were um, very interested in it. Um, it looked a little bit different when it listed to what it looks like now, which is actually something that we like to see in an investment holding company. You want them to actually 
put those skills to work in terms of sweating the assets and managing that portfolio um, optimally. Um, so it definitely does bring a layer of credibility. I think where the issues have been for African Rainbow um, Capital over the last few years was firstly the management compensation structure, which they have since addressed and, and changed. Um, and then there was also the, the thing where you effectively have, it, it was more an ESG consideration, right? Because African Rainbow Capital, because of its ownership structure, is effectively a BEE investment partner, but it's being run by two white guys. So there was always that kind of um, uh, ESG consideration in, in lurking in the background as well. But I think overall, you need to think about the track record of these managers, the fact that they have done exceptionally well in terms of identifying some really cool investments at an early stage. Um, and then you have to decide whether or not you want to be be along for, for the ride. Uh, be that ride, uh, be it if that ride is going to be a short one. So maybe you'll get an offer from um, from the the kind of uh, the main shareholder being Patrice Motsepe and, and his investment holding company, or whether or not that company remains listed and you get to benefit from the upside of some of those investments. Let's talk about what's in that goodie bag. Uh, you know, I think the popular ones are definitely time uh, as well as um rain. Uh, but of course, also there have been questions about the valuations uh, within the portfolio, yeah. Chantal. So let's talk about uh, what is potting in that uh, portfolio. So it's very difficult to actually value these companies, particularly if they are unlisted. So you have to, to a certain extent, depend on directors' valuations, independent valuers, and of course, transactions actually happening around those, those businesses. Um, the really nice thing about Time, which has been one of the biggest um, investments, which is one of the biggest investments in that portfolio, is that there have been a, a lot of action on the on the secondary market. So a lot of capital raises, um, a lot of guys coming in and putting in additional investments, which would have helped us, which would have helped them establish a more um, objective valuation for, for Time. But for every single investment in that portfolio, it's going to be different, right? Some of it's listed, some that you have some transactions going on you have a situation where some of them don't trade and you actually have to depend on on valuers um but i don't think that they would be very much very far off um relative to what those assets would be valued in an open market at and we've we've seen that over the last uh, few years as some of these investment holding companies have started realizing value from their investors when they sell it or when they list it it, it pretty much resembles the the value that they were carrying it in so it's not something that i'm particularly concerned about what i'm excited about for african rainbow capital is that time global particularly investment as well as as rain i think those are, are really solid businesses with very strong growth prospects I'm also just keen to get your thoughts on uh, them and dividends. Uh, you know, are there dividend payers? And, uh, you know, does it matter uh, how Holdco's pay dividends? So I, I actually think Holdco's shouldn't be dividend payers, right? Because you have to make a capital allocation decision. And if your, if your business and the whole point of you being there is to find opportunities and extract value for investors, then you should be using the capital of the company and the retained earnings to identify those opportunities and make those investments. Um, I think it would be, uh, you would have a very awkward situation um, where, 
you don't you, you're unable to find any opportunities maybe that could be a function of market conditions but in that case i would actually just prefer share buybacks rather than these companies getting rid of of their cash through through dividends very interesting. Let's talk about Remgrow now. Of course, I'd call this one the most complex of all of them. There's a lot happening uh, with Remgrow. Uh, where are we with uh, this portfolio? Of course, we, they have uh, kind of streamlined it a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, it's a it's a big portfolio. When I update my NAV sheets, it feels like it just it just carries on for forever. Um, but effectively, this is a this is a play on on healthcare in South Africa. Um, well, not just South Africa, but uh, South Africa, Switzerland, and the the UAE through MediClinic. That makes up about a quarter of their investment portfolio. You have a very chunky position in Outsurance, which is a company that we really like uh, in the short-term investment space, doing some really cool things in Australia, where um, I've heard from some of my friends out there um, is really making waves um, in that market just because they are so aggressive and entrepreneurial in their pursuit of market share there, which is not actually a very a, a normal thing um, <laughs> from an Australian cultural perspective. So doing good things there. Um, and then about 10% is um, the investment in, in Heineken's Southern Africa, which would have come from the merger of Heineken SA and, and Estelle. So, so that's basically what you get. A few other bits and pieces um, within that stable, um, Mr. Oh, sorry, first round um, momentum discovery, also making up a bit of that valuation. And then another one that I really like is um, CIV Group, which is basically uh, Vumatel and Dark Fiber Africa. Lots of exciting corporate action happening around that as well. The CompCom, not that impressed with a potential merger with Vodacom's fiber business. But um, we think if that comes through, it will be a, a meaningful game changer for, for CIV just because of the scale that they'll be able to get from, from that deal. So some cool stuff in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, not a lot of unlisted stuff. It's becoming a lot more tilted towards unlisted mm. with Medicanic delisting, with the style delisting, and of course CIV not being listed. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it still trades at a pretty substantial discount to NAV, very similar to what we see from other investment holding companies in the South African market. They've also had this uh, story about scarce assets. Uh, you know, I'm keen to get your thoughts uh, on that for them and that, that the only way to access very uh, particular uh, stocks, of course, would be through them. And I'm surprised that that story hasn't fed into a better evaluation on the JSE. Yeah, so I mean, you have to, they definitely have some scarce assets and some, some really um, interesting assets and very unique assets in there. But I mean, apart from, I think, CIV, you could probably, you could probably play that in a listed space or some of the exposure to some of those dynamics in the listed space. So for example, um, MediClinic, while we don't have another geographically diversified healthcare business on on the JAC after the the sale of um, of of Life Healthcare's stake in that UK diagnostics business, you still can get exposure to to healthcare through the JAC. Um, if you look at Outsurance, that's listed. First Rand's listed. Discovery's listed. Momentum Metropolitan's listed. Um, 
distill the Heineken SA business. Yes, you are going to get a kind of a pure vehicle on Southern African beverages, but you could probably buy Anheuser-Busch and get a pretty decent exposure to emerging markets, the emerging market beverage space anyway. So it's, it's scarce, but it's not impossible to kind of replicate it in the listed um, space. And that's why I think it's going to be so important for them to, to really grow that CIV business, because that's where I think uh, the real differentiator is going to be for, for Remgrow. Chantal, when I was doing my reading on Remgrow, there are some analysts who feel like there just isn't sufficient transparency around those unlisted assets. Would this not be, a, like you're saying, you know, a, a typical trait of a hold call listed in that unlisted space because those valuations are for directors based on transactions, for instance. The issue of the reporting rules of unlisted companies, does that make uh, hold calls really that opaque? Yes, it does. I mean, I, I actually had one of our portfolio managers reach out to me last week and he's like, can I please see the financials for time uh, bank within African Rainbow? I'm like, no, you can't. We don't have access to it. What we have is kind of a, a paragraph saying how it's going and we can perhaps get an idea of valuation because of transactions in that space. But to, to get the financial statements is not really a, a possibility unless the company has big debt instruments that's listed on the on the JSE where they have to disclose this stuff. So, I mean, I take that point. And they, you, you really have to trust the management team um, in order for you to feel comfortable with, with making an investment here. Um, I think with Remgrow in particular, because you, you because Mediclinic was listed, you kind of have a fair sense of, of how it works um, and what those financials look like. Um, similarly with, with Heineken, um, Southern Africa, um, and then they do have the listed stuff in there. But I mean, yeah, you, it, it's a trust story, right? Mm. Um, I mean, it also doesn't make sense for them to present financial statements on every single investment in here. I mean, my, my little list goes to uh, well, my line items in my NAV model goes to about 31 line sure. items. Yeah. I mean, that's just impossible. Let's talk about Braid now. Uh, in my mind, it's Virgin Active and Premier. Uh, but of course, there's a little bit more happening there. Where do we place a Braid for, as a hold call? Yeah, so I mean, Braid was a lot more dynamic and interesting a few years ago. And um, of course, they ran into quite a bit of trouble um, with New Look, which was a pretty substantial acquisition they made in the in the UK retail space. Um, and then that was kind of compounded by the impact of COVID-19 on Virgin Active. Um, and I think where they are now effectively is they're at a stage where they're actually looking to, to get out and to wind up that structure. Um, so they've done pretty decent things in terms of, well, a pretty decent thing in terms of listing premier. And I think that that valuation was pretty solid. Um, and they'll probably continue to benefit from the market being able to actually see a price uh, for premier. Um, the next step is going to be listing um, or unbundling or selling uh, Virgin Active. Um, and that, I think, was going to take place this year. But from what I understand, um, a lot of the, the kind of consultants that they spoke to around this have indicated that maybe it's not time yet, as Virgin Active is still recovering from the impact of COVID-19. So perhaps in the next year or so, we can get to a place where, where that is listed. Um, and in the meantime, they're just trying to clean up their portfolio as best they can. Um, so I think that they're moving in the right direction. Um, it doesn't help that 
the the listing of Virgin Active is going to be delayed. Um, it doesn't help that they are exposed to to the UK economy to a certain extent, where things are are really tough at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as if if I were to, if I were a holder of that stock, yes, I would probably hold on for a little while longer because I think if it's going to end, you've got a sixty percent NAV uplift okay. to um, to maybe tied you hold 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 you through um the the, the short term probably continued pressure to come let's rank them as i think we've had a great a conversation here about these three uh hold calls and what uh in what order would you go in right now so i'm a safety first kind of girl <laughs> <laughs> and i'm a long-term investor and i really like the, the 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 portfolio makeup of african rainbow capital i'm currently trading at a 55 percent discount to to net asset value having really underperformed so far this year down about 10 percent so um that would be my number one ranking um my number two would w- yes it's very close between rembrandt and Braid, but probably because i'm a safety first kind of girl i'll probably go for for rembrandt i think that assets are pretty solid. I would warn, though, that I'm a little bit concerned around MediClinic and the, um, the, the issues that they had around misbillings. Mis mm. um, so that would be something that I would watch very, very closely. And then Braids. I don't, I don't dislike Braids. It's just, yeah, I mean, I have been burnt, mm. as most Braids investors in the past have been. Um, and I think that there's value uplift there to come, but it's, it's probably one that could um, move sideways for a few months still. And of course, it segues perfectly into our educational segment today, Value Unlock. Chantal, talk to us about that. Yes. So when we talk about investment holding companies, particularly the ones winding up, they're always talking about unlocking value for shareholders or a value unlock opportunity. Um, and what they essentially mean is that there is value money trapped inside that vehicle that's not being priced correctly by the market. So when a company talks about unlocking value, they're talking about taking steps to make sure that that value is actually reflected in the share price. And that could be something like perhaps unbundling a company so that it trades separately to the investment holding company and investors can have clarity around um, what that what that that true value looks like. Um, it could mean paying out cash to to shareholders. It could mean selling assets and then paying dividends to shareholders um, from the proceeds. So there are a variety of ways to unlock value, but basically the point is to get rid to to get to realize that trapped value inside the vehicle. Well, Chantal, always a pleasure having you on Stock Picks. Thank you so much uh, for today. That was Chantal Marks from F&B Wealth and Investments. Mm-hmm.